0: The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken, our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit KCAlaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Well if you would remain standing or if you would stand with us as we honor our, our guests who's come. Matt and Heather Regal are missionaries to Germany and now to Switzerland. Got a tremendous heart for the lost and for God's kingdom. And um, just so blessed to have you here. And we'll hope that you just keep coming back every time you come back to the States. Why don't you just keep coming back to Alaska? We just love your heart for the lost and for what God's doing in it. You've got three beautiful children, and they're down in Oregon tonight, but they're here with us, and it's very special to have you. Here, put your hands together for Matt Heather Regan. Well,
1: amen. amen. Thank you for that warm welcome. Uh, you're, you're welcome to sit. You don't need to stand the whole time I preach tonight. You're hoping I was going to preach really short. That's what you're doing. Yeah, just if we keep standing, maybe it'll be quiet. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, You guys know how to have church, don't you, man? It's good time tonight. Good time here in the presence of God, and it's cool, man. I'm this note alone. I'm coming back. <laughs> this this is good. Uh, you know this this song that we just sang. Man, that just kills me. That song, man. Uh, I got to be careful because uh, I have family here. Do you know uh, Phil and Sharon Schaefer? Uh, if you don't, you need to know them. They're great people. Uh, Sharon is my second cousin. Her mom is my grandmother's sister. So it's kind of one of those kind of... So if there's any goofy things that go on the night, she, you just blame it on her family. And so, <laughs> it'll be okay. Uh, and I don't know if you know, but through the whole process here and, and so on, that's how we got connected with your church is through family. But we've been driving your van for the last year. And uh, we, <laughs> we've driven uh, to the... Uh, to Pennsylvania so we've driven through all those states to Pennsylvania from our hometown in Oregon we've driven all the way south to Los Angeles and back we've been up to Vancouver and back and now we're in Alaska and uh, you get your van back (laughs) man it took a long time to get all that dirt off too. let me tell you Uh, but I want to say thank you uh, because you have made it possible for us to share our heart with with churches and with people all across the United States and ask them to pray with us and join with us in what God's called us to do, and that is to share the name of Jesus Christ in Switzerland. And uh, you've made that possible. So you have, you've partnered with us, you might not have even known it, but you've partnered with us in, in empowering the power of God to touch people's lives in Switzerland, just as he's been doing here in our service tonight. So thank you for that. I appreciate that because you're helping us chase after the dream God's given us and the heart that God's given us. So thank you very much. Look at your neighbor and tell him, hey, good job with that. So yeah. way to go. Yeah. If you're going to be in church, you might as well enjoy yourself, you know, talk with one another. And, uh, you know, if the pastor doesn't keep you talking and with him, then you might as well talk with each other. You know what I mean? So. Um, we have been missionaries for about 10 years. Uh, I need to be careful because uh, Phil told me before the service, we're going to record this and send a copy to your parents and, you know, the a family and, uh, so my grandfather and my dad and different people can see this. So I got to be careful how I talk about family. Uh, it'll come back. I'll, I'll get that email. Hey, we need to talk. But uh, my parents are just pretty amazed that I turned out to follow God, let alone that God would call us into ministry. And here we are years later, and God is calling us to go around the world to teach and preach the name of Jesus Christ to people. And uh, I, I stand amazed. And I know that some of you may be new in this process. Samantha, it is awesome. Is that the right name, Got baptized tonight? I know you're here somewhere. There you go. Is awesome to share in the new start in your life in Christ. Thank you. That's great stuff. That's what the whole message of Jesus Christ is about, isn't it? Lives being changed by the power of God. And that message is going to be shared around the world. That's what God has called us to do. And as we share that message, it's really cool to see what happens. Because God is going to interact with people's lives in different ways. And some of you, you may look at us and go, oh, here's a pastor or here's a music minister or here's this person or that minister or whatever. But God has plans for your life as well. And it might not just be to sit here and soak in a service every now and then. It might be to interact with the power of God and be involved in other people's lives so that they experience God the same way you have. Who knows? And that's why it's important to jump into the process of being discipled, getting in the Word of God, experiencing the presence of God, allowing Him to to use you in the gifts and so on, because it's those things that empower us to do what God has called us to do. Amen? So a little bit about what we're going to be doing. We uh, have been involved in... uh, training church planners, teaching church planners, walking through the process with groups of people who are thinking, Hey, we need, a, we need a church in the next town over. How can we do this? What is this all about? What's the process? And walking through that process and prayer and support and encouragement and mentoring and coaching, all of that kind of stuff. And it's amazing to see all the steps that we were involved in in Germany in the last 10 years. God has now said, okay, Hiccup, here's what that's all about. And he says, head to Switzerland. And as we look into Switzerland and we started talking and we started hearing the heart of the Swiss pastors, what we begin hearing is they're saying, we need to plant more churches. If people are going to come to know Christ and we're going to take responsibility for the people that don't know Jesus in our own country, we need to start planting churches so the name of Jesus can be proclaimed. And so they're going, hey, we've never done that. Where do we start? What do we do? And at the same time, God has brought us alongside and said, here, you're a part of this puzzle too. And as God is saying, go step in, go and be using the gifts that I've given you so that people will be taught and be encouraged and be prayed for and be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go, that the message of Jesus Christ will be proclaimed. And so we just stand amazed and say, God, if you can use us, we're in. <laughs> and we are excited about what's going on. I, uh, I asked about showing a little video tonight, and it's a, a prayer of one of a, a Swiss pastor. And uh, he's just praying for the country, and he's praying that God would bring them back to their roots. So I want to share it with you because this is the heartbeat that God is asking us to join alongside of in a partner with that Jesus would be proclaimed. Thank you. Signore, siamo qui per chiederti di benedire la nostra nazione. Herr, bitte vergib uns, womit ich ausgeschlossen hend
2: and our own We have your help. Dear
3: Heavenly Father, dear Lord Jesus, dear Holy Spirit, I just want to thank you for your grace over Switzerland that we have experienced over the centuries. It's an undeserved grace. You have preserved us for a reason. You want to use this small country to be a blessing to the world. But even when I pray this, I'm humbled to say, we need you desperately. We need your touch. We have linked ourselves with other powers and we ask for forgiveness. We wanted to become rich materially by doing things that you don't like. We ask for forgiveness. We are poor and miserable in your eyes. As you said in the revelations to the church in Laodicea, they thought they are rich but they are poor in your eyes and we are like these people in Laodicea. So we want to become really rich help us to become really rich so we can be a blessing again for the nations. You have given us many gifts not just the beauty of our country but the unity and diversity. We have many callings on our country and we want to commit our country to you you afresh we have started our country more than 700 years ago with a covenant in the name of the almighty god and we've promised that this covenant would never never finish if the lord wills and we don't want to break this covenant because everything stands on this covenant with you We want to reaffirm this holy covenant, this Eidgenossenschaft. You also said, Dominus Providebit, the Lord will provide. And we put it on our five-franc coin. And we put the cross of you, Jesus, on our flag. Because we know everything depends on this cross, on this grace, on this forgiveness. Everything depends on God's love on the leading of the Spirit, so we ask you to touch our country fresh, to break things that are not good in your eyes, and to show us real strength that is only you, Father in heaven, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit. With you, we really have a purpose. With you, we have a destiny, and with you, we can become a blessing for the world. And this we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: And We get to be a part of that, and we humbly say, God, thank you, because we recognize, just as we sang this song earlier, that, you know, we're people like each of you here sitting we come and we're broken and God says, but I choose you. And he sits us at his table and he says, now let's let the fun begin. And it's amazing to be in God's kingdom and be used by him and to watch people's lives be changed. This is the this is the greatest job that you could ever have. It's amazing. And we are honored to be saying, God, thank you. You're calling us to this, that Switzerland would turn back to you. Um, I don't know what you know about Switzerland. Maybe you think about money. Maybe you think about the rich and powerful. Maybe you think about all the movie stars that have cabins in the Alps. Maybe you think, you know, a little more down to earth. You think about Swiss cheese and maybe, you know, Swiss chocolate, you know, whatever. No, the stuff that really is important, I don't know. Uh, and all that's true. It is all true. But behind all of that, are people behind the money, behind the mountains, behind the, the material stuff, behind the cabins and the snow, behind all of that are people that are like you and me, created to have a relationship with God, and yet we're broken, saying we don't really need that. And so we're going, and God is saying, I want people to know my name. I want people to come back in a relationship. And we're saying, God, let's let it happen. And so we're believing for great things, great things, as we head back to Europe. Uh, I want to share a little bit about why. You heard a little bit about the business. You know, anybody ever here received a paycheck? Yeah. Usually with a paycheck, there comes responsibility. So you do these things, you receive this paycheck. You don't do these things, you're not going to get the paycheck. You know what I mean? And that's that's responsibilities. That's business. That's, That's portfolios. That's very understandable. But missions isn't about business. Missions is about people. Missions is about the heart of God being proclaimed around the world. Missions is about God saying, hey, there are still people out there that don't know me. They need to know me. And so missions is why we do what we do. Missions is why we head around the world. Missions is why we say, hey, you know what? We're going to leave Oregon behind. We're going to leave behind English. I mean, we have enough problems speaking English, and we're going to go and learn another language. Well, talk about humor. God, God's got a good humor. But missions is about people. And that's the reason why we do what we do. In the last 10 years, the most important and the most ex, uh, exciting stuff we've been involved with is about how God touches the hearts of people. And it's not been the job and it's not been the, the business and the traveling and all that. It's been the people that we've seen God begin touching hearts and so on. Um, there's a guy that uh, that was one of our language teachers. When we first started uh, uh, in in missions, we didn't speak hardly any German. I was in the military and learned a little bit of German, but it was mainly how to find, you know, something on the menu that I could eat and find a restroom. That was about it, you know. Um, And uh, so we started from scratch and here's this, these, these, A young pair, uh, a guy and a gal, they weren't married, Uh, they were living together, and she was our teacher until she became pregnant, and then he stepped in and helped out and taught us German. And every time in the process of German, I don't know if anybody's ever learned a language, but you start with things like, hello, my name is, (laughs) I am a minister, you know, that kind of stuff. And so these basic ideas, title and time, and all that kind of stuff, colors, every time you would say, okay, now describe that you know, this idea of your life or describe an appointment you would have in a normal life or what did you do yesterday? And we'd say, well, we had a prayer meeting. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, all right, so we're learning these words. And every time any kind of spiritual topic came up, it was like, oh, okay, next point, <laughs> you know, and, and moved right on. And as we begin in time and relationship with Danny and Ancha, we begin to see God just kind of unfurling the layers of their heart. and We get to learn a little bit more about their background and what's going on. <clears throat> And as a minister, it doesn't mean that life isn't difficult. It means that life is normal. You just know where to go when you're going, okay, I'm, I'm at my end. I don't know what's up. <laughs> and uh, about um, uh, about two years into our last term in Germany, I got a phone call from my sister. And uh, my sister called and said, uh, I just came back from the doctor and I've been done, diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. And I don't know if you know what Lou Gehrig's disease is. It's a nerve disease. So your nerves can't send a signal to your muscles to say, hey, work. <laughs> and so your leg starts to kind of stop or your arm or your throat or your voice. And sooner or later, it begins to work into your heart or your diaphragm. So you can't breathe or your heart meeting. And it's it's very common in our family. Uh, many people have died. And, uh, and that phone call was very clear. My sister was telling me, I'm going to see Jesus by the end of the year. And you know, we're in Germany. We're going, God, we're here. But we don't really want to be there either because we don't want to go through this. We don't want to see another family member die. And we just begin to cry out. And I remember that night just saying, God, I can't do this. I can't, I can't go through this again. I don't want to go through this. I can't don't really have the strength to go through this. And the next day I woke up with peace. Anybody ever receive bad news like that where it changes everything in your life and you're just, everything is turned upside down and, and it doesn't matter what's on the calendar or what's been planned or what's going to happen, everything comes to a halt because you got this crazy chaos in your life. But Jesus steps into that and says, hey, uh, let's talk about a solution. And in the middle of that, in my own situation, in my pain, in my situation, here's this crazy situation in a relationship with Danny. And one day we're at a soccer game and... And, you know, he knows we're believers. He doesn't want to talk about Jesus, doesn't want to talk about the Lord at all. And at a soccer game of all crazy places, he goes, how's your family? (laughs) Kind of out of the blue. You know, he's never asked that question before. And I said, well, most of my family's well, but, and I said, my sister just told me that, uh, that she's dying. And at a soccer game, that's kind of one of those things you go, well, hello. How about a corn dog? You know what I mean? It just it doesn't fit. You know what I mean? It just doesn't fit. And it's like, whoa, okay, strange, crazy. And a few weeks later, we got together, and we went out and played pool. And uh, so about the second game in, and he's beating me every one of these games, and he goes, uh, he just stops, leans on his uh, pool cue, and he says, uh, pool stick, and he goes, uh, tell me about your sister. And uh, so I just said, hey. My sister's dying. <laughs> and I said, listen, I know you don't like to talk about God and our relationship with him, but i this is what happened, and I called out to God, and he filled my heart with peace. And the next day I woke up, and although the situation was exactly the same, and my sister went on to be with the Lord, it didn't change, but God changed me. And I said, I, don't, I, I know you don't want to talk about that, but he filled me with peace, because that's the way my God works. And he stops, and he says, I've looked all my life and I've never found that peace. I didn't want to go through those things. Those, those negative situations in our life are not joyful at all. Those learning experiences where we learn to just crawl to the bottom of the cross and say, God, I need you. But God shows up there and he empowers us. And not only does he empower us through those situations, he uses us to touch other people. We can tell more stories about different people and about different situations. And it's interesting in Germany where a lot of people don't even know God exists. They lived under communism and or they've they've seen the church as this stone building down in the middle of town that nobody ever goes to anymore, and they just say religion and God is dead. There's, why would you be involved in that, you know? If you're educated, if you're smart, if you're, you know, a good, decent person, you could just pick yourself up and move through life without God. You don't need that. But in the middle of that, God puts us in people's lives. My wife went walking uh, every Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday morning after the kids were dropped off with another parent from Joel, my youngest son's class. By the way, this is my lovely wife down here. If you haven't seen her, this is my wife, Heather. She looks beautiful is what she looks like. I I mean, what kind of a question is that? She's beautiful. So been married 23 years and she still loves me. So. Some God's doing something right. And so Um So uh, Maya doesn't have any experience and understanding of God whatsoever. So every now and then Maya would just throw a question in like, what do you think about like this creation evolution stuff? You know? And so Maya would just learn what Heather thought and what we believe. And you know, it just started with things like, How can you not let your Joe, our youngest son, why don't you let him read books and see movies about ghosts and goblins and stuff? You know, and so you don't just start a conversation with somebody that doesn't know Christ, and you say, "Well, let's talk about spiritual warfare." You know, <laughs> you know, you don't you don't get into that with people that don't know Jesus. You gotta kind of walk into the process. You know, and um, so it was just neat to see God unfolding, because missions is is not about jobs. It's not about living in other countries and living where people want a vacation and experiencing things you see on TV. It's about people like Maya. And so that when you have relationship and you experience. God moving people closer to himself. And they ask questions like, what does God think of the godless? When my wife said, well, God loves them. She stopped and went, oh, that sounds good. Because God knows the hearts of people. And if we're simply available and willing to be in the lives of other people and be a light shining in the darkness, God will open their hearts. And that crack is just enough for the Holy Spirit to step in and begin working on people to soften them, to say, hey, what about that love thing? Hey, what about that peace thing? Let's talk about that peace thing again. And, and every time that I meet with Danny and we talk, I always say, hey, Danny, how are you doing with peace? Are you ready to walk through the journey and And figure out what it's all about yet. And when he says yes, I'm going to be there. And then when that moment comes and I'm believing it's going to come, Danny's going to experience the power of an almighty God. That's that's my hope. That's my expectation. That's what missions is about. It's about people. And so, you know, like I look at uh, Pastor Daniel here, if you guys didn't pay him $150,000 a year, he would probably still be a pastor. He would. Are you laughing because you don't think he'd be a pastor? Is that it, or, or is it the 150 grand a year? Then whatever, but it's because it's the heart of God that's in him. It's a passion that says this is what God has called me to, and I'm not going to give up. And that's what we need to figure out. What has God created me for? How do I fit in God's kingdom? What gifts does God want to empower me with so that I can do the job and to reach the people in my circle of relationships, in my neighborhoods? That's what this is all about. And as we do that job, as we seek God, as we look for him, those are the things that God will use, you and I. He will use us to change people's lives and step into their lives. So I shared that there's bad news. You know, you, I shared the story about it, it changes. But there's also good news in our life. The opposite of that's true. Anybody ever had good news? Where you got, you know, I've never played the lottery, but I imagine if I did play the lottery and they said, hey, you won a million bucks, I'd probably go, hey, that's good news. And it would change the way I think. So instead of thinking about, man, I should probably put new tires on the car, I'd probably think, I'll buy a new car. You know, I don't know. I don't play the lottery. I don't know what would happen. Good news changes. It changes the way we think. Changes the way we feel. Changes the way we interact. It changes the way we interact with other people in our lives. Good news is amazing because it fixes everything. Years ago, I was a soldier and uh, I ended up in uh, the Gulf War the first time around. And I remember sitting in a foxhole for lots and lots of hours, and they kept telling you, dig it deep, because if the bullets and the lead start flying, you want to have something to cover. (laughs) You know, and when that kind of stuff comes up, you kind of think, hmm, this is serious. You know, and you begin to think about what's really important in my life. And the first chance I had an opportunity to use a phone, I called this woman, and I said, I've been thinking about life, and I believe God's put us together, and I want you to be a part of my life. Would you marry me if I get out of here? And she said yes. You kind of know the, under, the other end of the story because she's here with me tonight. <laughs> and that's good news. And you know, for a guy sitting in a foxhole in the middle of every, you know, in the middle of nowhere, and everything I own is covered with dust, even my clean clothes. It's good news when you think she loves me too. You know, and then suddenly the dust isn't a big deal, and you just kind of float over the sand and go, man, she's going to marry me. This is amazing. Good news changes everything. It doesn't change the circumstances, but it changes our response to circumstances. And that's why we refer to the gospel of Jesus Christ as good news. Because it's the power to change us from the inside out. Not the circumstances on the outside, the inside out. That's why we do what we do. That's why pastor will be a pastor until God calls him home. Because it doesn't matter about the money. It doesn't matter about those things because God has given him a passion and a power and a desire to see people's lives changed. That's why we do what we do. So I want to share a verse with you in German. Anybody speak German? Yeah. <laughs> no. Nein. Well, good. I'm going to uh, share a verse with you in German. See if you guys can figure it out. Okay? Dann Gott hat seine Liebe dadurch gesagt, dass er sein eingeborenen Sohn hergab, dass jeder, der auf ihn glaubt, Das ewige Leben bekommt und nicht verloren geht. For sake, what are you Pentecostal or something? Gift of interpretation? Well it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody ever heard John three sixteen before? Okay, a handful of you. Um, here's the scoop. You probably haven't heard it in German, but you've heard John three sixteen. Good. Here's the problem with John three sixteen. When I was in college, I had a professor telling me that repetition is the mother of memory. So you repeat it over and over. You read it over and over. You write it a few times. You repeat it, and that repetition sinks it into your memory. Anybody ever heard that? Problem is, repetition is also the father of boredom. <laughs> so, you know, so we, you know, we hear it, and then we start checking out. You know, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I've heard this once or 10 times or whatever, and we check out. So here in this very setting, there may some of you go, oh, yeah, John 3.16, yeah, I got that, yeah, yeah. And uh, you're already thinking about ice cream after the service. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, we're moving on now. And uh, some of you here may go, John 3.16, what, what in the world is that? Some of you may say, oh, yeah, John 3.16, I've heard about that, but that's that's for Christian folks. That's not for me. So John 3.16 interacts with all of us different ways. The problem is, is that God's word is never intended to be good knowledge. God's word is given to us not so that we can get bored or repeat it and get a gold star in Sunday school class or whatever it might be. God's word is given to you and I so that it goes beyond our brain into our hearts and it changes our lives. John 3.16 is the very foundation of our relationship with Jesus Christ, with God through Jesus Christ. And it's, and it's that very message that can become very mundane and very repeated and very boring if we're not careful. So I want to walk through John 3.16 a little bit. Is that okay? I'll do my very best to not bore you to tears. OK, and if you are bored and you're just miserable, then go ahead and take a nap, because, you know, if you've got to have a good, peaceful place to sleep, you might as well do it in church. You know, so. Um, so let's talk about this for just a second. The reason that God uses John three sixteen 16 is the cornerstone of our relationship with him because it's powerful. It's packed with incredible information. But we kind of skip over it quick. So let's go through it slowly. Is that OK? Let's say it to be together and, and I'll cut you off. For God so loved the world. (laughs) Good, okay. For God loved the world. Have you ever thought about that verse and asked why does this relationship with God start with him loving us? And not the other way around. We're broken, we're in need, so let's go and say, hey God, I love you. Can you fix me now? You know, that's how we think. That's not how God intended a relationship with him to be. He said, listen, I'm coming to you. I created you. I want relationship with you. I love you. I desire you. And I choose to give you my love. Now, what kind of love is it that God gives us? Do you know about that? Have you thought about that? because many of us we've thrown around that word love we've heard that word love and it's been abused lots of different times the problem is is nowhere nowhere in this world do we experience the love of our father the way he intended it it's all twisted and full of deceit and lies and manipulation in this earth. Because the love of God the Father is a love, he says, I choose you and I love you, and nothing you say or do will change it. It's an unconditional love. That's why the love of God, the message, the good news of Jesus Christ can be preached around the world, including in Europe where people say there is no God. Because God is not going to say, well, if you don't like me, then I'm not interested in you. God says, I love you even if you don't acknowledge me. I love you even if you don't have a clue what a relationship with me looks like. I love you even if you do everything wrong. I love you, and it will not fade. And the opposite of that is true as well. Do you realize that there's nothing that you can do to make God love you more? Huh? So, you know, we talk an awful lot in in church about knowing God, spending time with God, reading the Bible and praying. But God is not going to say, oh, you know, you did. You read the Bible four out of seven days this week. So I love you more now. Way to go. Or, hey, you spend five more minutes in prayer today than you did yesterday, so you're just definitely bumping up a notch in my book. Hey, way to go. You know, maybe we'll do lunch. You know, God doesn't do that stuff because God doesn't look at your life and my life and judge and say, okay, when you're good enough, then we'll talk my love. When you reach this level or you get to this Position, or you get these things right and fix those issues, then we'll talk love. God says whether you do it right or you do it wrong, whether you commit or you break your commitment. I love you, no strings attached. And our world, as many of you know, loves to throw out the world love, but it has got so many strings attached that it breaks us because we're pearl pulled in all kinds of directions. I uh, I like to say. I love vanilla milkshakes. Amen, brother. Unity. Uh, Now, listen, some of you, you don't get that. You're going, how boring. Can throw some fruit in there or something? I'm going, no, don't ruin a good thing with fruit. You know, know, personal thing. I feel the same way about vegetables, but that's another sermon. So um, vanilla ice cream, when I taste vanilla ice cream, I love the way it tastes. And so I say, I love vanilla ice cream, but if vanilla ice cream hit my tongue and it tasted like dirt, I wouldn't say I love vanilla ice cream because it doesn't do anything good for me, but that shows exactly how twisted my own experience with this world is because I twist love into my own thing. If so, if you love me, I'll love you in return. If you do these nice things for me, I'll be nice to you. If you can't take care of me, I'll take care of you, and I I will choose to love you. But that is so broken. That is not God's love because God says, even if you never return it, I love you unconditionally. That's good stuff. So turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Yeah, that's good stuff. So, okay, let's go a little bit farther here. So let's begin at the beginning of John 3.16 one more time, and, and I'll cut you off when we stop. Um, but i got to tell you this. Here's where if we start quoting John 3.16 together, it's going to get kind of goofy. And you're going to start thinking, man, the guy next to me doesn't even have a clue what John 3.16 is. You know, it's going to get strange. Because I'm a good example of this. I grew up and I memorized stuff in King James. I know all these verses in King James. And then I became a youth pastor, and uh, I started preaching in NIV because, it, well, it made more sense to me too. But, uh, but then, then, you know, the NIV just kind of, you know, the, the King James. And, it, and then I became a missionary, and I started reading God's word in German. And, and I can't quote a verse right if my life depended on it now. So you may go, what is this preacher? Doesn't even know how to quote John 360. So I apologize for that right up front. I know what it means in a couple different versions, but I can't put it together and make it sound right. So um, so as we begin this process of quoting John 3.16 together, some of you are going to go, that guy didn't use the same words that I did. And that doesn't matter because we're looking at the heart of it, not the, the version or the translation that you memorized. Okay, is that all right? Okay, good, because I'd hate to have you hate your neighbor or something because you know, you're not going to get to heaven if you do that. So, so let's do this together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Gee, here you go. It gets kind of goofy, doesn't it? So God gave his son. So first we looked at God's love, that God's love is the one who's initiated this relationship. I love you. But then we come to this point where we're talking about God gives to you and me. He gives his son to you and me. And again, why? Why is God giving to us so important? When we look at God's word and we look at this relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ, why is it that it starts with him and his action? And we aren't even involved in the process yet. We're just the receiving into this. God loves us and God gives to us his son. So you, you ever thought about why? Why does God got to give to you and me? And I believe that if you and I were honest with each other, it doesn't take very long to realize why we need Jesus. So we like to live behind facades, you know, make the outside of the building look pretty and, you know, let everybody think, oh, man, they got a really nice house. Man, look how pretty it is. The inside could be garbage and the plumbing won't work and there's mold in the back room. It doesn't matter, but the outside looks really nice. You know, that's how we often operate as people. We don't want people to see what's inside. We just want them to think the outside looks pretty nice. The inside must be good too. God gives to you and me because we're in bad need of a Savior. Um, this thing for just a second, the last time you're out driving around and uh, somebody cut you off. Or somebody stole your parking lot at Walmart. Or, you know, some lady comes around a corner and just nails your cart. And you're thinking... This is not bumper cars. My my uh, family member, Phil, back here, likes to play bumper cars in Walmart, so watch out for him if you're there, too. Um, but, you know, that kind of stuff really kind of gets under some of our skin. Think for a moment, how did you respond the last time somebody got angry, got in your face, something went wrong, or your expectations were broke? What happened between you and that other person? Don't say it out loud. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I know that none of you are like me. You're, you're holy perfect, beautiful, righteous people, and you begin to say things like, God bless you, may his favor shine upon you and your family today. That's kind of stuff you guys say, right? So, yeah, that's not what I say, okay? I say things like, Man, you know what? When your lips are done flapping, it's my turn. And I says, Take your time, say what you want to, but my turn's coming. You know that kinda of, And I thank God for those moments because those people just go on and on and on forever. And it's that moment that God says, Don't open your mouth, you idiot. <laughs> if you open your mouth, then they're gonna know you're stupid. So just just be quiet, you know? So, you know, that's the discipleship process that, you know, God begins to work in you and I, and he begins to clean us up and begins to say, watch what you say, what you do, what you think, and before it's noticeable for other people. That's that's the discipleship process we all should be in, by the way. And I thank God that that's not always my first thought anymore. It still pops in. There, I was uh, driving across our state in Oregon in your van, <laughs> and uh, I drive into in to, to get something cold to drink, and this gal comes flying in. She was right in front of me, and she moved into a parking spot, so I thought, well, I got this huge van that sticks out farther in the back does it does the front. So I thought I'll just pull forward and back into the spot. Well, I pull forward, and she decides after pulling into the parking spot that it wasn't straight. So she whips it in reverse. I see the lights pop on, and I'm going, "Ah," you know, and I hit reverse, and I'm trying to get out of her way. And then she has the goal to turn around and look at me like I'm an idiot. What are you doing? And I'm thinking, what? So, and again, again, process and time is a great way for the Holy Spirit to get a hold of your heart. And as I went inside, I realized the gal was absolutely frazzled. I was thinking, I'm going to go in and tell her, you know, maybe you should learn to park one time shot. You know, practice doing it once and be done. And, you know, I'm Something stupid, something smart, smart aleck. You know, that's, that's me. My brain works that way. It gets me in lots of trouble. Um, but I walked in there and I saw this gal and she had this huge list of all this junk that everybody in her office building or wherever wanted she's going I need this I need one of those and I don't need that that without this and she just fried and I'm thinking here's the low person on the totem pole <laughs> and she's trying to balance everything to keep her job and suddenly the Holy Spirit goes yeah hello. <laughs> maybe you should just be quiet and keep your thoughts to yourself <laughs> because God knows the hearts of other people but it's the sin within you and I it's the brokenness in our own lives that we interact and we don't see what God's doing We can look at our lives, and it's very clear. The Bible says that every one of us are sinners, and we're in need of a Savior. For all have sinned, and I think that includes most of us here, except for those that are on outer body, intergalactic thing going on. The chances are good that you're going to need Jesus too, so it's all right. But that's exactly what the gospel is all about, because the gospel says, listen, this isn't about you and your perfection and how well you mask all the issues. It's about you being broken and in need of a savior. The Bible says we are lost and none of us are righteous. None of us are holy. None of us do things that honor God. We are broken. And in that stuff, in the middle of that, God comes in and says, I'm going to give you a solution because you can't figure this out anyway. That's what it says. As a matter of fact, we can continue reading through the Bible. The Bible is pretty clear. Not only are we lost, we have no idea what God's doing in our lives. Not only are we, we are blind as well because when that person cuts us off or yells at us at the store or is impatient with us, we never stop and think what's going on in their lives. Why are they so frustrated today? We never think about that because we don't think spiritually. We are corrupted. We are broken and corrupted people. And that means that everything that we do has a twinge of sin within it. I'll be very honest with you. I'll be very blunt with you. I love to preach God's word, make it simple and make it understandable, especially for people that have never been in God's word before. I sat in church as a kid going, what are you saying? I don't get it. And I ended up having to pay a big price because I said, you know what? If I can't figure it out, then why try? And I got a lots of trouble. And God says, hey, listen, I'm a gracious, patient guy. So when you're done and you're ruined, come back and we'll figure this out. I'll heal you and fix you up. And I think many of us have that same experience. And God says, you're still valuable to me. And here I am. But it's, it's corrupted. Even the very gifts and talents that God has given me to preach and to teach and make God's word clear, that kind of stuff, the enemy loves to say, oh, I could use that. And I begin to preach and people say, Hey, that was a good message. I enjoyed that. I, that was that was fun. It was this and that and it you know, like it begins with thank you, that's very kind, thank you. It's a God's blessing and then it's yeah, that wasn't bad, was it? And then it was, hey, you know, I'm getting pretty good at this. And then, hey, you know what? I might be a good preacher someday, you know? And then then I preach, and I go, man, I nailed it today. That was awesome. And then it doesn't take long, and my ego and my pride are so big that the very gifts that God has given me have been crowded out, and it's all about me. I don't have room for God anymore. It's about me now. That's how sin works. It starts and it just corrupts and it just makes everything bad. It's like building the foundation on really shoddy stuff. You know, that one corner is always going to sag because you use garbage to f- put the foundation in there. Okay. You got to put some solid stuff in there, some stone that's rock, that's unmovable. That's why we're corrupted because we have sin mixed into everything. And we need a savior to come in and say, let's deal with it. Let's work it out. Let's heal that stuff and get rid of it. And the last thing I want to share about you and I and why we need a Savior is that it's very clear, an old English word that we don't use much anymore, at least not in English terms. We use it in swearing language all the time. But the Bible says we're damned. Probably haven't heard a preacher say that from a pope in a while. Well, hopefully you've never heard that from a preacher. Anyway, never mind. The Bible says we're damned. It means we deserve whatever penalty comes our way, for the things we have broken and the laws we have busted. That means we deserve whatever comes. We are guilty as sin, and we deserve it. And God says, wait a minute, you know what? I love you. And I'm going to give you a solution because you're never going to figure this out on your own. You don't know how to figure this out. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 2, it's by grace we have been saved through faith and not of our own works. What we can accomplish, what we can do, because it's not about how good we are. It's about how good God is. And he says, I give you the solution to your problems. So let's go a little bit farther. and It's going to get really goofy now. God loves us and God gives to us. Let's do the rest of the verse together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Yeah, that was kind of goofy. And we might need interpretation for that one. I don't know. I have grown up in church, like I said. And all my life, I have heard, and I began preaching, as well as a pastor, that salvation is a free gift. A gift of God. Anybody ever heard that? It is a gift of God. Anybody ever heard this before? There's no such thing as a free lunch. (sighs) The lunch is free to you and me. We get to belly up and go, hey, bring on the food. I'm starving. We get to eat. But somebody bought the food. Somebody prepared the food. Somebody served the food to us, and somebody's going to clean up when we're done. But we get to belly up for free and experience the food. And that's salvation. That's what happens. But, But for us to understand salvation a little bit better is maybe to think of salvation as an exchange. See, God loves you and I, and he knows us. He knows our hearts. He knows our experiences. He knows the life that we've had. He knows our history. He knows all the wounds that we carry. He knows all the garbage that we hide. He knows the stuff that we stuff and hope never comes up. He sees the brokenness. He sees the pain. He sees the tears when you go to bed. He sees the things that you murmur in those quiet moments. And he understands all of that. And he says, I send you my son. But I can't give you what you need unless you make some space in your life. And he comes and he says, listen, I will send my son. he will give you eternal life, but you need to give all that garbage in your heart to him and he will take the brokenness and the bondage and the addictions and the hurts and the pains and the garbage that hope you hope nobody ever finds out about and he will take that to the cross and he will nail it to death. And you receive forgiveness and peace, and joy, and eternal life. That's the message of Jesus Christ. And that's a message that will change lives. Because God says, this is not about you. It's not about how you look. It's not about your bank. It's not about your job. It's not about the cabin in the snow. It is not about the vacations overseas. It is not about any of that garbage that our world says, this is good, look at me. Look at how well I'm doing. Just as we saw in the video, God, bring us back to what real richness is like and that is having a relationship with you and having fulfillment and purpose in life not all the stuff that we collect to hope that we fill that hole and stuff all that stuff in that nobody else would see it God comes along and says it can't stay let's get rid of it let's eat it up and get rid of it and chew it up and spit it out and give it to Jesus Christ so he can get rid of it and take care of it for good and then you experience what God has for Friends, that's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. The problem is, is that, uh, that we have this wonderful thing that God has given us through his Holy Spirit that's called uh, conviction. And if we didn't have the Holy Spirit convicting us, then the, the enemy comes along and he uses it and he, and he uses the counterpart of that, That's shame. So... The Holy Spirit would come and he would softly say, hey, you shouldn't do that, or well, that's going to cause problems, or this isn't a good idea, or that's not healthy. And the enemy comes along and says, no, it's not a problem. And as soon as it takes place or situation takes place, then the Holy Spirit comes and goes, what were you thinking? What would your parents think about that? What if the cops found out? What in the world are you doing? You went to church last week. What if the people in church found out you thought that and did that? What are you, nuts? And the enemy begins to bring shame and sow shame into our life. And all that stuff that we keep hidden, the enemy uses to destroy us. And that's what's so cool about this exchange with Jesus Christ. Because it's an exchange of shame. Because Jesus says, I'm going to go, the son of God, the king of kings. In the Lord of Lords, will lay it all to the side. I'm going to go to the cross with all the garbage that you have built up in your own life and allowed in your life. And I'm going to take the shame that you deserve and I'm going to take it on my shoulders at the cross. In exchange for your new life in Christ. The exchange must take place. That's why the good news of Jesus Christ can be preached in a European setting where people say, there's no God. What are you talking about? Because regardless of what their background or their history or their experience with the church might be, there are people that are in need of a Savior just like you and me. There are people who are saying, I got all the good stuff, but my heart is broken. I was abused. I have abused. I have been addicted. I am in uh, out of control. I have this and that and the other. And I cannot take care of it and deal with it on my own. And Jesus says, that's not a problem. Because I was sent by the Father because of his great love for you, he gave me to you as a solution if you'll believe in me. Whoever believes in me will not perish but have eternal life. Anyone to those who received him, to those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's the hope and the message of the Bible. That's the foundation of who we are and what we do as, as believers in Jesus Christ. And that's what's so exciting about the message that God has given us to go and preach because it fits everywhere. It doesn't matter if it's in, in Alaska or if it's in Oregon or if it's in Pennsylvania or LA or in Switzerland because the name of Jesus Christ needs to be proclaimed because it's what people need to hear. Amen? That's why we do what we do. So I want to end just with these ideas, these two ideas. Number one, is anybody sitting here that maybe tonight you'd say, okay, John 3.16 makes a little more sense. Now I understand it a little bit better or I heard it for the first time. Is there anyone here who would say this whole idea, this exchange of all my sin and all my failures and all my mistakes and brokenness and pain sounds really good. And you've never done that. Tonight can be a night where you experience this exchange of all of that sin and shame to get rid of it and just give it to God and allow God to send his son to take care of it on the cross. Tonight can be your night. Maybe you are a person who sat here and you've heard John 3.16 before. You've accepted Christ as your Savior. You, you have asked Christ into your heart, and yet you've allowed all kinds of stuff to just continue in your life. And you're not allowing God to really dig deep into your heart. And it's just knowledge. It's information. But the freedom that Christ wants to give you is still kind of buried in there. It's never been released. You've never experienced it because you've allowed some of that stuff. Well, what happens if if the church finds out that I'm addicted to porn? What happens if they find out that that I I go to another town to buy some liquor because I don't want to get caught here? Or or whatever it might be. What if my wife finds out that I was heading down to shack up with another gal somewhere else? All my business you know we we like to hide those things in there and and we hope that it won't make a big deal because the enemy sells us a lie that it's okay it's you deserve it it's okay it's if it's fine and then we realize holy cow and the enemy comes with shame and goes oh man you blew it you're a lousy lousy Christian you know that so maybe you're a person who's accepted Christ you've experienced that freedom but you are allowing your heart to fill with the things of this world and the sin and the trappings and the garbage of this world loves to build up in your life and you need to release it because the more you fill up on the things of this world, the less space there is for you to experience God's presence. He's waiting. He's going to wait for you to clean up shop and say, take it, take it, take it, take this, take that, take these other things, take these controlling things, take these addictions. And when God does that, and when you give it to him, then God says, now we can work. Now we can really party. Because I'm gonna, you're gonna experience me in a way you've never experienced me. So here's those two questions, and I just want to simply ask. We're gonna we're gonna end in prayer, and I'm gonna pray, and we're gonna just ask who would like to say for the first time, I need Jesus to pay for all my garbage, and I want to get rid of it. I want that exchange to happen in my life. And then we're gonna just allow old pastor to kind of uh, kind of wrap up shop here tonight, and then we're gonna end with a time of prayer at the altar. Is that okay? Because I don't know about you, but I've experienced and sensed God's presence in a very real and passionate way tonight. Amazing way. And I believe that there's time for healing at this altar tonight. Times of renewal at this altar. Times of (laughs) cleansing and healing at this altar. And I believe God wants to meet us here. I believe he wants to meet you here. So let's just uh, take a moment to pray. We'll see who in this room needs Jesus. Is saying, I'm ready to let him clean up my heart. And I will open it up and let him just clean house. And then we're gonna allow Pastor come up and we'll we'll move on. But let's pray, shall we? Father in the name of Jesus. We come before your throne tonight and we say, thank you, Father, for your great mercy in our lives. God, we do not deserve what you have given us. But you come with your love, your extravagant love with no strings attached. And you say, I give it to you freely because I love you. I want relationship with you. I created you to have relationship with me. And, Lord, you come and you say, hey, listen, I see your situation. I understand your heart. And God comes and he says, hey, I give you Jesus. Jesus as a solution for your sins. And God, I thank you for that stuff because God, you know my heart and my life. And you know, I was, I was in need of a savior when you came and you spoke to me. God, I thank you for that. And I thank you that as I, I allowed you to clean up my heart in the process of just allowing you to dig deep and allow your Holy Spirit to search me and know me. Lord, that process was hard and bitter and difficult. But Lord, you were right there the whole process. And you, you walked me through it in peace and in love, and you gave me new life, and new hope, and new joy, and new passion, and new meaning in life. I thank you for that, God. But I know that I'm not the only one. God, you want to do the same thing in the lives of each person here. Thank you that many people have accepted you already, but I pray your Holy Spirit would speak to those whose hearts have still been held tight and had held closed. And I pray in the name of Jesus, your Holy Spirit will speak life into them tonight. In the name of Jesus, those who have been running from you, those who have denied you, those who are not interested in you, tonight would give their heart to you and say, I need Jesus. God, would you speak to their hearts right now, right now in the name of Jesus. And I want to ask you tonight, who tonight, by raising of your hand, would you say, hey, I need Jesus? I am tired of running and hiding and stuffing, and I need Jesus to wash all of that clean and to take it to the cross and get rid of it. Anyone at all? I've heard John 3.16, and I'm ready. I want to accept Jesus and what he's done for me. Anyone? Anyone? Tonight can be your night. Anyone? Number one, praise God. But number two, that means we're going to have some good times around the altar tonight. Because that means the rest of us, are we're ready. <laughs> ready for God to dig deep into our heart and cleanse and purify us. Amen? Amen. Thank you. I want to just say as a, as a missionary, as we travel around, we come and we hand out these prayer cards. We have a whole bunch with us and probably don't have enough, but... I want to say as a missionary, we have all kinds of needs and all kinds of stuff, but we ask you to pray three simple prayers for us. Number one, pray that God empowers us because we are spreading a message that's his idea, and we need him to unlock the hearts of people and to empower us with his spirit. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I I don't want to come with persuasive words and all these wonderful things. I want to come with the power of God that people say, there's something going on here. So we need the power of God to show up in our life that he would open doors. Secondly, would you pray that God would take care of all of our needs? Because by by doing that, then the money's not the issue and the finances and what you can do, and that's not a big deal. All of you could gather all your filthy riches together, send us on a plane tomorrow morning to Switzerland, and we would get there and we would still be miserable because God's timing was not right. But if we pray together, God, let your timing be perfect. And in that timing, provide exactly what Matt and Heather and Nick and Gretty and Joe need. Then everything falls in place. The finances come, the 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 plane tickets, the house where we're going to live, the neighbors that we're going to minister to and come to know. All those things fall in place and the hearts of people are open and ready. So would you pray that way? And third, as you're praying for us as missionaries, pray for a neighbor or somebody in your life. And say, God, you're using the regals to send them overseas. But I might be the missionary right here. So, God, would you take care of my neighbor today or my coworker or my mom or my dad or somebody that doesn't know Christ? Would you pray those three prayers with us? Because we're going to be praying for you as well, because I believe the message that this church is preaching is a message a lot of people need. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think there are lots of people here in Wasilla that need Jesus. A couple, maybe. So we'll find them, and we'll pray that God will change them. Amen? Amen. So we'll believe together, and we'll pray together. Thank you. Lord bless you tonight. We look forward to just being around the altar and praying and experiencing God's power here. Amen? Pastor.
0: Come on, put your hands together for Matt and for Heather Regal. Ushers, would you help us? We're going to go ahead and sow seed into their ministry. And I want to share a verse of Scripture with you. It's found in 3 John. Uh, Chapter 1, in fact, there's only one chapter. Verse 5, it says, Beloved, you do faithfully whatever you do for their brethren, who've borne witness of your love before the church. If you send them forward on their journey in a manner worthy of God, you do well, because they went forth for his name's sake." We have a great responsibility and a great privilege tonight to do something to send these guys forth into switzerland what a a joy it is and and i'm mindful also of those that are online you can give through the secured server there and uh, you go ahead and you do your best for the lord you might not be able to go to switzerland or go overseas but but you can be a part of the harvest by by giving tonight by praying Amen. If you're making out a check, make it out to KC And we will send them the entirety of, of this offering You know, that's not the case in some places In some places, they, they have a set honorarium It's not how it works here So in other words, if 20 grand comes in tonight 20 grand goes to Switzerland, that's how that is we're not—we don't do anything for our expenses or anything. The entirety of this, everything that God's touching your heart to give, all of it goes towards their ministry. All of it goes towards towards them. And uh, what a—we just love your heart. Love your heart for the lost. And what a beautiful family. Praise God for for you. All. We rejoice with you. And look forward to the good report of what God will do. Amen. Touch all the Swiss. Hallelujah and their cheese and their hot cocoa and everything else. Praise the Lord. If you need an envelope to record your giving, uh, again, the ushers will help you with that. And as soon as we're ready, we're ready. Ushers, would you come? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the regals. You bless them tonight. We thank you for the call of God. They said yes years ago, that you've equipped them, that you're empowering them, and that you're going to use them to touch the hearts of people all across that region. We use them to touch our hearts tonight. God, we pray your blessing, your protection, your provision, your timing, your goodness, the release of miracles, and signs and wonders, Lord, in the land of where people have, many have turned from you, forsaken you. God, I ask, let like a mantle of reformation come upon you, a great boldness, a holy boldness upon them and their children. In the name of Jesus, bless them now as we give. Amen. Just go
2: ahead. So forgetful, but you always remind me that you're the only one who brings me peace. You stand with us and just begin to worship You're the only one. But you always remind me that you're the only one. tell you I need you to tell you there's no better place for me than in your arms and tell you I'm sorry for running in circles for placing my focus on
0: first set of people I want to have just felt led to do this. And you come and join me on the pulpit here. I felt like God was going to call people to the mission field. And uh, whether it be short term or, or you feel called long term to the missions field. You all understand what I'm saying. You feel called to mission. I'm talking beyond giving. Amen. We're all supposed to give to missions. Amen. That's just part of being a Christian. I'm talking about going. You're feeling like, man, i I, I've, I've got to go God called you one day you were a youth pastor and he said I'm going and you, and you went you left the ministry of, uh, of church life and went off into the far flung corners of the world you answered a call and God is raising up missionaries all around you. now if you feel that God's called you to missions part time short term maybe or long term I want you to come right now come right now if that's you I don't, if it's just one person it, it's fine if you feel called to missions step out from where you are Come all the way up. Come on, we're going we're gonna to pray for you. God will make a way for you. Come on, put your hands together for these guys. Amen. Come on, we're going to pray. Let's pray for these. Matt and Heather, would you,
1: would you lead us? And then just call them. Oh, Father God, we stand in amazement of your, of your direction and purpose in our lives. For your love and your creative creation in us, Lord, and calling us to specific ministries and specific gifts. And Lord, for those that are at this altar that are feeling your tug on their heart, in the name of Jesus, we say thank you for what you are going to do through their lives. We thank you now, Father, for the times that you are just going to pour your presence into their lives in preparing them and empowering them the calling you have on their lives. Lord, we pray that they would come and they would experience a passion to know you like never before tonight. When they walk from this altar that they would say, I need to know Jesus. I need to experience his presence and his power," and that would grow day by day in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would bring clarity to their hearts. Lord, as they begin to seek your name and seek your face and read your word and know you more, God, would you clarify What your ministry and your direction for their lives are. In the name of Jesus, would you begin working in each one of their hearts? And Lord, it doesn't matter where we go or what we do, it's our obedience that matters in your kingdom. So, God, I pray that you would make them soft and tender and make them sensitive to your spirit, that they would hear your voice and know your voice, that they would sense your leading and guiding, whether it's into your word or into worship or into active evangelism, or simply sharing the love of Christ with a smile in their lives. Lord, whatever their ministries are, God, begin to invest in them, develop them, empower them in the name of Jesus. And God, we thank you now for what you're doing, because God, we are seeing people here come to this altar that are representing lives, and lives, and more lives that are coming to know you as their Savior. And I thank you, Father, for the harvest that's coming. And the souls that will be reclaimed for the enemy who is dancing over their graves saying, I won. And the enemy is going to find out quickly that you win. You are king. You are Lord. And these are folks going to be on the front lines experiencing you releasing your spirit on others. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In your name. In your name, Lord some time praying for those that are here. If you feel a need or you feel drawn to one of these folks, come and pray that God empowers you. But then take time for yourself and come to this altar yourself and ask God, what about me? What's going on in my life? Is there areas, are there places in my heart that need to be cleaned out? Are there areas I need to release to you and find freedom? so come and pray for those that are here at this altar but then find a place to pray yourself and god say god what about me what about me do you have something for me is there something that i need to clean up first do i need to be prepared for something and let's experience the presence and the power of god tonight amen amen amen
2: You always remind me. That you you're the only one who brings me peace. you you're the only one who brings me me. I'm so I'm so forgetful, but you always remind me that you're the only. Placing my focus on the ways, not on your face. They tell you I love you. I tell you I need you. They tell you there's no better. I tell you I need you to tell you there's no better place for me than in your arms. So I tell you I'm sorry for running in circles, for placing my focus on the ways not on your Me, peace. You're the only one who brings me peace. Oh, oh. you're the only. No better play I tell you there's no better place for me than your heart I tell you I'm sorry For running in circles For placing my focus on the way, Not on your face But you're the only one Who brings me peace You're
0: the only one you're the only one who brings me peace. You're the only one. You're the only one, You're the only one who brings me peace. You're the only You're the only one who brings me
2: peace.
0: Jesus, we thank you for what you've done, God tonight what you're doing in our midst the freedom God that's here to worship we love you Lord come on just lift your hands to the Lord let me bless you as we close our service allow for you just to spend time here at the altar if you want to do that but if you need to slip out I understand Father thank you For your manifold blessings, God, in our lives. For rebuking of the devourer and authority that we have in your name because of your blood and what you did on the cross. Thank you that impossibilities bow the knee before your name. And the good work that you've begun in us, God, you will complete the day of Christ Jesus. We love you, Lord, tonight. We love you, God. We worship. Truly, you are the only one that brings us peace. Now I ask that you would bless your people and cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance unto them, O God. Be gracious to them. Keep them. Keep us. Give us peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you go out into the mission field of our community. We'll see you Wednesday night. going to have a powerful time. Don't miss it. Praise the Lord. We love you. God bless you. Again, feel free to just hang out, press in, pray, spend time with the Lord at the altar if you so desire. You need to slip out and go right ahead. Praise God. He's on the throne. The devil's been defeated. Glory. Glory. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth.